0: You're listening to Power Producers Shop Talk, where we are refining and redefining the sales game by equipping you with the tools you need to differentiate yourself in the marketplace.
1: Well, it's like when we audit the mod with Mod Advisor and are able to give them the action items that they're going to use to lower their total cost of risk.
0: Tactical skills that will help you provide deliverable value to your clients and prospects.
2: It's going to be a great year in 2022 at Florida Risk Partners. Now that IPFS is in the game with their total pay strategy, we can write excess and surplus lines and completely remove the agency bill from our agency. People, if you're not using total pay by IPFS, you're definitely leaving money on the table.
0: And action items that you can provide to take your prospects and clients to the next level.
2: Having partners like Mineral only bolsters the fact that your clients do not care about the insurance. It's all of the value that you're able to add. And with partners like Mineral who can help with both HR and environmental health and safety, we can't help but win.
0: This is Power Producers Shop Talk, production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power?
2: Hey friends, how you been? We're back with another episode of Shop Talk. And today we're going to talk about what you need to know to understand the middle market. You know, I was thinking about this, man. I don't know that we've ever taken an episode. We come on here like we're Johnny Middle Market all the time and I don't think we've ever taken an episode or a couple of episodes to even define what it is we're talking about, man. No, it's
1: I think we've loosely defined everybody. it. We definitely have not spent an episode doing it, much less series of episodes, but we've I think we've kind of over the course of time have loosely defined what it means to us.
2: Yeah. I just think it's different things to different people. But the f- cool part is that there are some broad strokes that we can consider when we're trying to figure out what exactly does middle market look like. And that begins with understanding the the scope in terms of the size of revenue and, and also the segmentation. I don't know, man. are you a Are you a revenue guy or are you an employee count guy for middle market? Because I feel like mm. you run into a couple of different camps on that.
1: Yeah. I think it's, I think it's gotta be revenue because it's just like the employee, I could have a hundred employees, but our revenue is low because of our industry. And so I wouldn't consider that middle market. I could have, I could have 10 employees and we could have, we could do five, 10 million in revenue. And I, I would consider that middle market, you know? So for for me, it's revenue.
2: Yeah. I think revenue (laughs) is, Your one to go with, although I will tell you that's the one time I've gotten burnt too. I had an account one time over in Palm Harbor, which felt like I was driving to the other it's side. Where your of the boy apartment. hails from. Yeah, I know. Yeah. This account was um I don't typically name accounts, but this one was like Florida Infusion Services or something like that. This is I mean, we're going back a long time. Fifteen. Oh, okay. years. Got it. Fifteen years. I don't even know if they're still in business. I imagine they're not. But anyhow. Can't be, I yeah. They had to have sold. I get in. It, it was a, they were a distributor of cancer drugs and stuff, infusion really? services. They didn't manufacturing and, and they didn't manufacture anything. They didn't own anything. They literally received the product, put it in their DC, and then they pushed it out to their end user. So I get this thing, and according to public record, their sales <clears> were like. Almost half a billion dollars. It was like four hundred and something million dollars. Okay. I immediately begin licking my chops because I'm all over this. I'm willing to drive to Palm Harbor for that kind of an opportunity. Yep. And I get over there and I find out this company has no products liability because their agent told them they didn't own anything. They were only a distributor. And so the GL for the entire account was like four or five thousand dollars in premium. Yeah. The comp was okay because they had like twenty, twenty-five employees. Um, the odd they had one or two autos. The guy self-insured for property. Like I can't even tell yeah. you how much property they had there. And it was in a it was like a freaking bomb shelter. It was great construction, but it was Palm Harbor. And his response was that the insurance was just way he he'd rather self-insure for it because he'd never had an issue. He was comfortable with his construction and at this point, he'd rather just keep not paying a lot of premiums. So I, I say that because that's the one time. I don't think there's ever been another time in my career where I've gone in and looked at the revenue on an account, yeah, and it's and it has misled me. That's the right. only time. Most of the I, time I, I go say... in, it's low. Usually, it's better than yeah. what I think. This one was right. the one time where I thought I was walking into this awesome account, and it sucked.
1: Very similar... To my father-in-law's business, there there are like logistics companies like that that don't really do anything where they just you know basically get a product, they make sure it gets to where it needs to go, and it's like hands off for them, like no warehouse, no storage, and all that. I mean, it sounds like a little bit more for what you were just talking about, but I mean, his company, like he he pulls in some you know some some decent revenue on that, but it's but his premiums are. Whatever, like 10 k for everything. Yeah. So yeah, no, is, it, it, I, I it agree with what you're saying. It, it's totally a, it, but it it is. I would say that the times that that happens, as opposed to if you just go off employee count, way 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 lower on on the revenue being misleading than the employees. Yeah.
2: I think the other thing too is, and we don't really we talk we talk around this. We don't know that we've ever really like addressed it, but. Also, one of the, the points I have in my notes is segmentation of the middle market and the fact that it's not like just everything is in the middle market bucket. There's a lower end, a middle, and a and a higher end. And you know, I think where you decide you're gonna cast your lot um depends. Cause like I don't I don't need to be in the upper middle market. I could you you can make a lot of money there, but I feel like, especially with middle market, if you're lower or upper, you got a lot more competition than if you That's hit that I'm spot saying. in the middle right that's how i've always felt i feel yeah. like the middle i feel like if you're at the upper you're going to attract way too much attention from the the nationals right. the bigger if guys You're in the lower you you're still dealing it's not so much about this as, as much you you will have more competition but you're also at a point where you're dealing with people who are buying predominantly on price, price. And there's yep. just you know again yep unless we actually tag a premium or a, an agency revenue size to what that looks like. I don't know that it makes any sense, you know, to, it, it all has, it gets based on geography too. Mm-hmm. I always say it, you know, an account that's here in Florida might be a quarter of a million, but if that same account was in Indianapolis or Topeka, yeah, Kansas, right. it'd be like a hundred thousand bucks. Right. But if it's a $50 million a year manufacturer, it doesn't matter where it is. It still operates as a $50 million a year manufacturer. And I think mm-hmm. that agents get so caught up in segmentation based on what they're going to make, not necessarily what the size and shape of the company is. Because the thing is, it doesn't matter if that manufacturer is in Topeka or Tampa or wherever.
1: Topeka, the risk- nice little Topeka pool there. I was going to go with little, Wichita, but little, I decided to go with the cap- capital of Kansas.
2: Yeah. So I wanted to, uh, you know, I just think that people end up, they they focus on what's going to pay them and not necessarily the size and shape of the company. And that can make for some mistakes too when people are prospecting. The other thing is like, I think that depending on where you're at in the country, and I'm interested in your thoughts on this, but there are different sectors of industry that are predominant in the middle market like some things might be heavy here middle market but Mm -hmm. maybe not in atlanta or albuquerque or someplace like that so Mm -hmm. i think that it's important to know if you're going to go into the middle market or you want to even look to see what the opportunities are there understanding what the what the industries are that live in the middle middle market market there. Yeah. Yeah, then you got to overlay that with your carrier mix because that'll tell you whether or not you even have the ability to write coverage for these people. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, you know, I get on these calls sometimes with different producers that I'm working with and they're hell bent that they want to write a certain class of business yet. They don't have a single carrier that has that in their appetite. Well, how are you planning on writing it? Like, Do some diligence. Do your due diligence, look at your stuff and see, okay, how's all this stuff fit together? And that'll make your life a whole lot easier than just flying blind, man. It's it's mm-hmm. tough to come into this thing and look at it and think, oh, I'm going to go after light manufacturing specific to the aerospace industry. And then you realize every policy under the sun's got a complete aerospace products and completed ops expo- exclusion on it, right? right? Now, what are you going to do? So it's important to understand. That's the a good point. Different industries that are in there. Also, you know, risk profile variations. There's big differences in risk profiles. You know, there's a lot of different segments of business that'll fit in the middle market. You could have a law firm or an accounting firm that's a middle market firm, mm-hmm. completely different risk profile than a munitions manufacturer that's in <laughs> the middle market, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's another big thing. You got to understand, like, how how you and, and as an agent is an agency. You need to make the decision about what your risk tolerance is going to be. What is the risk profile of the average account I'm going to go after? What does that look like? And I mean, you've seen it here. We've had stuff where we've gone from everything from a septic company that's got confined space entry issues <laughs> to IT consulting firms that also do 15 other things that don't have anything to do with IT consulting. And I mean, it's all over the board, but at the end of the day, part of the problem is it goes back to something I talk about all the time, which is education. These clients don't get it, man. Like they don't, they just don't understand that if you're not doing exactly what you say you're doing, it changes the risk profile of your business in the eyes of the insurance government.
1: Yeah. They just think because they have insurance, they're good. Yeah, we're good. But not, not if the carrier doesn't understand what you're doing. If you represent yourself as an IT company, but you're laser engraving things and setting up security cameras and key fob access points and stuff like that. It's like, dude, What? Set up a separate company.
2: I think, yeah, I th- I just think that we have to do a better job of an industry is educating people on how what we do work, like how it actually operates. Yeah. Because I had a lady send me an email last week, like literally in the info at Florida Risk Partners inbox that said, could you please get me an umbrella quote? Here's my zip code.
1: <laughs> that was the, the best. That's the best.
2: I wrote back. Need a little information (laughs) here. Never heard anything. No way. But I do. I do think that that's that's really really important because you could you know the risk profile thing's huge. And and listen, I think that it kind of all comes out in the wash if you think about it. But you, this is one of the reasons why we either represent you or we don't. If you think about like a large law practice. By all accounts, revenue and otherwise, it may look middle market, but you look at the package policy and it's next to nothing. Mm-hmm. Comp is next to nothing. But when right. you look at the cyber and the malpractice and all of that other stuff, that mm-hmm. those are the big checks, man. That that money adds up in a hurry. So right. I just think part of it is understanding where you're going to sp- play inside that segment of the middle market. The other thing's insurance needs, man. Like insurance needs change the bigger that a company gets. And I realize that a lot of agents probably don't want to hear this, but I actually advocate companies buy less insurance and take more educated risk on their own as they get bigger and more financially healthy and able to do that.
1: But knowing what the typical like taking a like taking a deductible.
2: Yeah, knowing the typical coverages that the average person in the middle market has is huge. I mean, just to know where to start, but take a deductible, take a self-insured retention. Mm -hmm. You know, if there's risks that that you can assume a hundred percent of the risk and it makes sense, then by all means, make an educated decision. I don't know that I've ever advocated that, but an example would be- Like if you have a
1: bunker in in Palm Harbor. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but you know, if you want to write your property X wind or whatever. Maybe, maybe these days, honestly. Like, dude, I can't imagine what a property policy on a commercial building would look like right over there on the coast right now.
2: And that one, that one was in really, really I mean, it was a it was a well-built masonry non-combustible. Like if I was gonna write any building in Palm Harbor, that was the one.
1: <laughs> Crazy, you know? man.
2: But even the other thing is too operational challenges. There's a big difference between the operations of a middle market company and the operations of small commercial. Even if you're in the same industry, think about this, man. Think about one of our plumbing companies. Right. You know, like your guys over in St. Pete, they're the best definition possible that I can think of, of somebody who was treated like a small business but needed to be treated like a middle market company. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we're three years in and still working to get, all of that stuff ironed out the way that it needs to with technology and everything else. And for everyone's edification, listening to this, when I mean, they were being treated like a small business when they're really a middle market company. This is an account that is a couple hundred thousand dollars a year in premium across all lines. And when, when Kyle first went out and started talking to them, found out that their (laughs) fleet was insured with state farm, like they had
1: pro- how many dozens of individual policies they had well yeah every single every single vehicle was on an individual policy so they have 37 vehicles we'll call it i mean that number fluctuates because they go out and purchase vehicles like uh, honestly like i'm not kidding like every week hey, go honey, and i'm gonna
2: run to the run to the store and get a half rack of perrier and an <laughs> f-150 <laughs> <I> mean, like hey <laughs> guy that's, that may be my all-time favorite we're sitting like number one there is no conference room in this place it's like an office no. and it's a tight office tight. And it's an office of a family business where the mother and the daughter basically sit across the office screaming at each other about different things or, or just talking. I mean, it's not like they're just
1: loud. They're not like angry at each other. Just- yeah, it's
2: not contentious or anything like no. that. But but um, <laughs> we're sitting in there, and the guy comes in, and I swear to God, like he looked like he hammered. Ooh, yeah, yeah, he looked like he looked like the macho man, like <laughs> current if he was still alive, current day. God, man. and like he got up that morning and ate like a bowl full of bullets and instead <laughs> of having milk, just poured natty ice over the top of it. <laughs> And then he reaches, he reaches into the fridge and pulls out a four pack. Yes,
1: you guys want some Perrier? Lemon Perrier. And I'm like, I was so confused. I was like, No, man, what? I got water. Got water. This is what right this here. guy's
2: speaking to drink? Like, I, I was afraid to tell him no. I sat there, pinky out, <laughs> yeah. sipping Perrier yeah. with the best of them. But I mean, <laughs> we talk to these people, and I mean, this is why I wanted. Uh. I, I really wanted to bring this one up specifically, is because this is an example of taking the time to educate somebody on the right way to do something. Yeah. We right. increased their premium by a tremendous amount of money, at least yes. $50,000. Minimum. At least 50000 It
1: was. It was definitely more along. It was probably closer to 80, 90, but yeah. But when we started looking
2: at everything, we found that there were a significant number of vehicles. Vehicles just
1: weren't on the policy.
2: Had no insurance whatsoever because the policies weren't there. We had no way right. to look at the policy. I mean, it was just a nightmare. And so, you know, when, when we got minimal pushback, it's like, oh, man, that's a lot of money. Well, it's cheaper than any one of the vehicles that you currently don't have yeah. coverage on right. if you were to total it. Right. Not even or, or mentioning what you do to somebody else. Yeah,
1: right. Exactly.
2: And so that, you know, that ended up being a, a nice hit and it, and it's continued to be a decent account. But again, mm-hmm. it goes back to understanding operational challenges. And that's the thing. I knew, I know there's a lot of people out there that think that when we talk about, you know, mineral and KPA and Zengeries and all of these different tools that we have, that we're just doing it as a gimmick or something at the point of sale. That's not true, no, man. We like legit what these use companies them. actually have to have this stuff? And if they don't have it, it's when their mods jump up above one and then they have to have somebody come in and, and fix everything. They're for not going to be
1: your client for very long.
2: Probably not. But I mean, even with all of that stuff, there's only so much that you can roll out, especially, you know, it would be like, I would, I would equate this to this being the same thing as us acquiring an agency that was 100% not paperless like we go yeah. in and there's just nothing but paper files in cabinet after cabinet receptionist just freaking cowboy killer dangling mm, off of her off of her lower eaters. lip just just bouncing ash every time she she pronounces something
1: right into her coffee
2: yeah all of that that like that's what i would equate that to you can't go in and say well what we're going to do is give you the best uh, AMS and we're going to throw a CRM in here with a little, uh, you yeah. know, Husker news and Husker don'ts and yeah, you know, <laughs> with or without with the, whistle, the stick. whistle stick. Yeah. Yes. You know, but uh, you, you're just not going to go in and change that overnight. That way. the same thing holds true when you're dealing with some of these clients that are ingrained in, in older ways of doing business. You can't just go. Yeah. In and do a whole it's thing.
1: not an overnight thing for sure. You got to kind of sometimes take baby steps. And that would be a prime example. Yeah, I think but they're trending for sure in the right direction. Um, I mean, you know, even with the increase in the premium, and everything like that, we, you know, where, where we have them with, uh, where they're at now compared to where they were much better spot. And they're set up to the point where they can, where they can grow and not, um, you know, not, not have themselves exposed like they were previously. Agreed. So
2: I think it's probably a good place to start, man. I'm looking over our notes and I think we yeah. need to probably break off here and, and make the, the next several points. It's own episode. Good. Okay. I got this. I got, I know you're proud of me, man. I'm I'm back to wearing dual wrist candy at this point. I got this new fitness tracker called a whoop.
1: Yeah. You familiar? We're- I am, yeah. A lot of the a lot of the guys on the PGA tour where I'm Rory, JT. Uh... That's where the similarities stop. <laughs> yeah. No, but uh so so tell me about that a little bit. I know I know about it, but not. I very don't know many anything details. other
2: than I just literally got it yesterday, same oh, day, okay. Amazon.
1: But it tracks all that same stuff that you know, I guess like what a Fitbit would have done in it. But it's it's more uh more advanced than than just like an apple watch though
2: it measures a lot of stuff and it measures your sleep well yeah sleep stress and strain is what it's looking for Mm.
1: okay it
2: also does does some weird things like measures your skin temperature um
1: Hmm. probably good for people in our region of the country right now my god it's like freaking wakanda outside Josh Gurley's the one who gave
2: me the wreck on this, so I figure yeah. if it's good enough to satisfy Gurley, then it's well, good enough for me. For sure. That guy researches everything.
1: He's, like a big, he's a big research guy.
2: Definitely, yeah. He probably puts on like a white lab coat and sits down in front of his laptop to research purchases. I can see that. I know that if he researched it and bought it, I'm 100% safe, so... <laughs> I I took her for a tester last night, woke up, and did in fact measure my sleep.
1: That's what I need. I need one of those too. I mean, but like the the Apple Watch does that to an extent, though, right? Yeah, but this thing stays charged for like a
2: week and you don't ever take it off. When you go to charge it, it's actually an external battery that slides over. So you charge the battery, then you put the battery on this and you keep wearing it while it charges.
1: You don't ever take this thing off. Interesting. And I, I do like that they're a little bit thinner and, like, sleeker to where, like, I, I would have trouble if, if I was going to sleep with my Apple Watch on. That would be annoying to me. Well,
2: what I can tell you is it, apparently when you go to carve a smoked turkey and spend 10 minutes doing it, you get a 4.1% of your strain rating for the day, so... I must have been wrestling with that thing at some level to get my heart rate up when I was carving it last <laughs> night. That's all I can think of. Well, yeah.
1: Also were, uh, were you doing it outside though? Like to where it was super hot out?
2: No, I was in the kitchen yeah. at like 10 30 last night. <laughs> Honestly, I think I was just mad Annie made me get out of bed to go do it. And that probably had my heart rate up and I was screwed from the beginning. It's probably. all these all these evil gadgets, like the snapshot and all that other stuff. Like I was telling somebody the other day this isn't me throwing shade at progressive, but they give you the opportunity to get a discount with that snapshot thing. And like, as you're approaching an intersection, if you see the light on
1: yellow, the brakes.
2: Yeah. If you see the light turn yellow and you hit and you hard break. Yeah. You're going to hear a beep. It just got you. All right. But if you floor it and you run through the yellow and it turns red and you essentially run through a red light. Yeah. No harm, no foul. You're good.
1: All right. A little wow. counterproductive.
2: I'd say so. All right, man, everybody, that's what we're talking about is middle market. We gave you a few things to think about. We're going to talk about growth dynamics, decision-making structures, and relationships with insurance agents next time. Catch you next week. See ya.